0: Hello podcast listeners and welcome to the 9th of February 2019 Hong Kong Stories podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. We are all recovering from the eating that is central to the Lunar New Year celebrations here in Hong Kong. We ate all the food, visited all the relatives and gave out and collected all the see. There's only that last few red packets to give out now to those door guards you only see once per year and that kid that you meet in the elevator every morning when you're headed to work. It's the time of year for excess, and as we survey the piles of dried duck and chocolates that our relatives have bestowed on us, we'll be listening to Madeline's story about her attempts to shed the excesses of her life. After Madeline, you'll hear a story of mine about being a surrogate mother. But before we get to the stories, we'd like to say a huge doge to our loyal Hong Kong listeners. You make us happy with your continued support. Thanks as well go out to our listeners around the world, especially listeners in Mafra and Morfitt Vale in Australia, Christchurch, New Zealand, and Nider Wenigen in Switzerland. Thanks for letting our podcast into your ears. Our February show is coming up on the 27th at the Fringe Club, and our storytellers are busy refining and polishing their stories for the big night. Our shows sell out fast, so make sure you get your ticket through the link on hongkongstories.com. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than comedy. It's better than drama. It's real life. And now for my show with the theme of home in October 2018, here is Madeline.
1: I came to Hong Kong two years ago and I've moved four times in the meantime. And when I came here, I had two bags only, like her, but mine wasn't filled to the full capacity. But now then, of course, you started to need things. So soon I needed to have my own bedding, and I also wanted to have wine glasses. And, yeah, so I was fine. And then my friends started to give me things, like a little pot plant and a table and a carpet. I'm moving soon again, and I will need a truck. Now, the thing is, I have never really liked the idea of accumulating things. I've always been quite allergic to it. And I read an article of this Japanese man who claims that he lives a fulfilled life with 50 items. Now, get your head around that, 50. That includes clothing, furniture, and whatever else he considers important to call it a fulfilled life. I was inspired, and I announced I am going to have no more than a hundred items. <laughs> and fifty is a little bit much or little, so this was going to be the thing a hundred items. The thing is, this is not new, even as a child i've had i was allergic to this i've always believed that things tie you down i mean i've in South Africa, i washed my clothing with my hand or took it to a laundrette, simply because I thought, free spirit, we don't need washing machines. <laughs> and the notion that things you keep things for its sentimental value is also strange to me. I mean, a memory that doesn't get trapped in a thing. A memory is a free spirit. It decides for itself whether it's going or coming, a little bit like love. So... I can vouch for this because my f- memory of my family home is like this. I have nothing that reminds me of it, but yet it's, l- it's absolutely vivid in my mind. It was a 1930s home, I think. It had wooden floors and' that's the ceilings with the patterns on it. But I grew up in the 1970s, and my mother said, "This ugly floors full floor." carpets, thank you, green and white speckled, I think it was, and that ugly ceilings, it must be removed and replaced with asbestos, but it was a happy childhood, (laughs) we had a big garden, there was uh, two apricot trees and a fig tree, and the neighbors had a mulberry bush and it hung over our wall, and we could eat those purple uh, uh, fruit, and we could use the leaves for our silkworms. Uh, we uh, we sat under, my, Me and my sisters, we sat under those trees forever and the green leaves formed a sort of shade against that African sun and the fruit, nothing ever tasted as well as that after that. My father was a teacher and for some other strange reason the school bus was sometimes parked in our yard and my wild cousins came to visit once a month and then we played in that bus, hide-and-seek and seek uh, Cowboys and crooks and doctor and nurse. (laughs) I loved that house. I loved the room that me and my sister shared. It had little yellow curtains. I loved the sitting room that I was not allowed in because my mother was very protective of her orange and brown furniture. And I loved this, no, that's a lie. There was a sideboard. Every person in South Africa in the 1970s had a sideboard, maybe all over the world, I'm not sure. But in the sideboard it was these dusty little ornaments, glass and, and porcelain. But it had drawers. And those drawers were stuffed with things. And even then I couldn't understand why people didn't just throw things away. Old electricity bills, light bulbs, a Barbie doll head, for God's sake. And my, my parents weren't hoarders. My friends had sideboards, and theirs looked the same. And also, in our family, we had a hoarder. So I knew what a hoarder was. We had an an aunt, my father's younger sister. Going to visit her was an ordeal for me. She had a daughter my age, and yet I hated it, because she had to actually walk sideways down the corridor there was newspapers and tires and 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 a toolbox and and a bicycle pump and then you couldn't actually sit anywhere once you reached the sitting room because it was just st- more useless and, and and broken stuff the air was was stuffy and the the whole feeling was grey my aunt died some time ago but I think of her sometimes because I later found out that she was married to a man that was either a philanderer, an alcoholic or an abuser. And my father, I think, saw it as his job to try and get her to divorce him. But she couldn't move. She was stuck. So I don't know if her fact that she couldn't throw anything physical away was part of that or not. So, on the one hand, I have the Japanese man, and the other man, I have my aunt, and I have to move, and I have lots of things. I have a washing machine. turns out that even free spirits need to be practical sometimes. And I started buying things because I like them, because they are beautiful, and not just practical. I've, started, I've got a beautiful pair of earrings that I bought at a second-hand shop. I have boxes full of books. I have stacks of of, um, paintings. Turns out that I hate an empty wall more than than a drawer full of stuff. So what does it mean? It simply means now for me that actually a home depends on not on how much you have, but how much joy it brings you.
0: Madeline's life isn't measured by possessions, but by joy. I think we can all learn something from that. Don't throw out your memories. Come and tell them to us at one of our free weekly workshops, and we'll help you to make your story into something you'll be happy to keep. Find out more information at hongkongstories.com. Now, I have a treat this week. As the host of this podcast, I always feel a bit odd introducing one of my own stories. But today, I have Roshni here, who will introduce the next story instead.
1: Hello, I'm Roshni, a storyteller at Hong Kong Stories. This next story was told in May 2017 at a special show called 24-7. Here with a story about her first taste of motherhood is Rachel.
0: I had never actually thought about becoming a surrogate mother until I was asked by my neighbor, Johnny, one day. Johnny Willard was awesome. He was old, as old as dirt. And he had a squint. And he made his living by hunting and fishing and trapping and a little bit of farming. He lived alone, well, with 12 hunting dogs in a house, and he never seemed to do housework. I thought he was pretty cool. But not as cool as I thought he was when one day he presented me with a newly hatched baby duck. It had a birth defect which made it hard to walk without falling over and needed to be hand raised. I was in love. I brought that little duck home. It it was still yellow and fluffy because it hadn't grown its proper adult feathers yet. Ducks stay fluffy for a good two or three weeks. Its stumpy little arms little orange beak, his toes turned in, so when he walked, he had the cutest little waddle. He looked at me with his little black beady eyes, and went, cheep, cheep, cheep. So I called them Cheaper, because I'm really good at names. Now, my parents uh, were raising five children on a farm, so they had a high tolerance for impromptu pets. My mother laid down the law. She said... All right, you can keep the duck, but no getting on the table during dinner time. You've got to take care of it. No letting him loose all the time to run around on his own. He's too small. Somebody will step on him. Um, you can let him swim in the sink, but if you make a mess, you've got to clean it up yourself. And then she got me a fantastic little cardboard fruit basket with a handle for him to sleep in or to sit in and a tea towel to make him more comfortable. She said, now he's he's to sleep in this at night, because I don't want him running all over the bed. I made that quilt and it's really nice. I said, sure, I'd do all those things. It was gonna be great. Cheaper and I had a fantastic day, went out for little waddles on the lawn together. I told my brothers they weren't allowed to play with them because they were too rough. He'd look at me with his little eyes and say, cheep, cheep, cheep. And I just knew we were going to be the best of friends forever. That night, my mother tucked us all in, individually, one by one, room by room. She goes and she gives a kiss and she pulls the covers up, and says good night, listens to our prayers. When it was my turn, she even gave Cheaper a kiss on the beak when I insisted. She listened to my prayers and then she said good night and closed the door on her way out. <sighs> I lay down to go to sleep. But then I heard cheep, 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 and I thought, looking over the side of the bed, he looked a little bit lonely. Maybe he needs his mummy. So I took the whole basket onto the bed next to me and I wrapped my arms around it and I fell into a delicious deep sleep. The next morning, I woke up. I was so excited, ready to go and play with my new duck. But he wasn't in the basket. I looked around the bed. I didn't see him. I looked under the bed. He wasn't there. Surely he couldn't get it off the bed with his stumpy little legs. And then I untangled the sheets from around me, where they tangled up during the flailings of the night, and there, as flat as a pancake and just as dead. was cheaper. I was no longer a mother, I was a murderer. Our storytellers are all super cool, but so are our hosts. Every month, one of our core members of volunteers, Hong Kong Stories is run entirely by volunteers, scout out eight storytellers and then spend hours helping them to find the best ways to tell their stories. For October's show, that superstar was Edward. Thanks, Ed, for all your work. We love hearing from you, the listeners. So tell us what you think about our stories by writing a review on iTunes. The music for this podcast was created and performed by Andrew Roberts-Smith. Everyone
1: has a story to tell.